my past investor did what I told him he needed to do and what I didn't do. And it was unfortunate. And he found a, a literal securities violation. The passive investor looked at the LLC, looked at the owner of the LLC, and the owner, he or she, actually had defrauded SEC. A lot of people out of millions of dollars. Hi, you're listening to That Really Happened, Unbelievable Real Estate Stories. I'm your host, Ellie Perlman. If you're a real estate investor, this is the podcast for you. Our guest speakers will bring you amazing, intriguing, and unbelievable stories about real estate investing. The stories will be an honest and transparent account about what it actually means to invest in real estate. You'll hear stories that investors don't usually share. Stories about hardships, breaking points, painful truths, and surprising realizations. Sometimes there's a happy ending, and sometimes the story ends very differently than you would expect. So let's get the show started. Hey guys, welcome to That Really Happened. I'm Ellie Perlman, your host broadcasting from sunny California. When I'm not behind the mic, I buy multifamily properties with passive investors who partner with me on my deals. They can get their returns without the need to find, negotiate, close, and manage their properties. If you enjoy this podcast, please take a minute to rate us. Me and my team, we've been working very hard on this. and We would appreciate it a lot. A lot. And you can always go to my website, ellieperlman.com and read the show notes as well. So my guest today is a good friend of mine and a fellow syndicator, Adam Adams, or Adam Triple Adams, the way he you know, like to call himself. So Adam got his start in real estate investing through tax deeds back in 2005. He then got into multifamily space in 2007 as a property manager, where he managed a complete apartment repositioning. Adam nearly doubled the value of the multifamily property in just 12 months, which is remarkable. He then bought his own multifamily in 2008. And since then, Adam has managed several single family fix and flips and is partnered in over 600 apartments. Adam enjoys teaching and inspiring other investors to think bigger, which earned him the prestige title Master Investor of the Year from Think Realty 2018. Adam enjoys giving back by sharing his knowledge as the organizer of Colorado's most active meetup group and through hosting the Creative Real Estate Podcast. So today, Adam will share his amazing story about when he made an exit from a potentially bad deal because of an unexpected issue with his partners. I would like to welcome Adam to the show. Hey, Adam, how are you? Hey, my friend. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. So Adam and I have been uh, going, uh, you know, way back. We've been, you know, chatting over the phone many times and he hosted me on one of his many events that he holds, you know, in Colorado, very, very successful series of events. And so, you know, before we dive into the story, I wanted to ask you, you know, you have a very, very interesting name, Adam Adams. Can What can you tell me about this name? I mean, it's, it's a pretty unique name. All right. I will tell you, first off, randomly enough, I've met a, like 100 John Johnsons, some Swen Swensons, Carl Carlson. <laughs> There's so many double names, right, out there. And still, I get so much 
guff from it from whenever I'm on the phone, you know, trying to do something with, with applying for a new credit card, whatever. They're like, what's your name? Adam. Okay, Adam, what's your last name? Adams. No, sir, your last name. <laughs> Adams, A-D-A-M-S. And then they'll, they'll be like, okay, Mr. Adams, what's your first name? And I, it's, it's just like, <laughs> oh my gosh, this, is, this just takes too much extra time, right? So it is interesting, but I have met literally Adams. He's a famous syndicator as well. But he does notes and he lives in Dallas. So FYI, he has a bunch of followers as well. And then I met a bunch of Adam Gillespie Adamses. And hopefully one of them hears this because I, I, I've met grandpa and, and, and father and son and grandson, four different levels of Adam Adamses in Jacksonville, Florida, which is interesting. But how did wow. I get my name? How did I get it? Um, so I was born on polygamous colony of, of all places. So interestingly enough, it's not something I talk about all the time, but I would agree to talk about it on your show because you're a good friend of mine. And anyway, the thing is, with when you have a, a real true Mormon polygamous colony, only the first mother, only the first wife, their kids have dad's last name. And then uh, what usually happens with it is this mom two and wife three and wife four and wife five and, and wife six, they kind of get their mom's maiden name. So my biological father named me Adam and my middle initial Abel, so very biblical name. Mm -hmm. And without really thinking about it, when I was applying for school in fifth grade, my mom just just came up. For the first time in her life, she came up to me and she's like, hey, are you okay with your name being Adam Adams? Like, we've been calling you that, but now we're actually going to put it on a birth certificate. One random thing that we should note while talking about this is that because of a late birth certificate growing up in the middle of nowhere and nobody caring for anything except for like our own vegetables and goats to milk. Uh, we don't think about the outside world, right? With all of that said, I can't get, it's very difficult for me to get a passport to leave the country now because I got my birth certificate just before I turned five. Wow. Wow. What, what an upbringing. So Adam Abel Adams. <laughs> Triple Basically. A. Triple Everyone a. always calls me. You say Adam likes to call himself Triple A. I just own it. It's just everybody, <laughs> everybody always like, they're like, wait, your initials are Triple A. Can I just call you Triple A? So I, I put it on like my Facebook. It's just, it became my thing because of everybody else. But Adam, how did you get from goats and vegetables to 600 apartment, you know, apartment units? How, how does that happen? Yeah, actually, we closed on we closed on a deal on Friday. So you're missing 150. I'm at 770 Ooh. now. Wow, 7070. <laughs> it's getting up there. We're just trying to close up. But how did we go from there to there? My stepdad, actually, incredible man, entrepreneur general contractor and lifelong real estate investor. He owned rentals. Even when, I, when my mom uh, and him started dating when I was like five, he already had a duplex. He already had a condo. He already had land. 
it goes to the tax deeds all the time. So I grew up with this entrepreneur, like this person who kind of thought outside the box and did things a little bit different. That's really where I started to learn it is my stepdad. And by college, because he didn't, he didn't, what's the word for it? He, he wouldn't take no for an answer, right? I was like, I'm just a poor college student. Like, I'm, I have a scholarship. I have a, have a job and I can barely pay for my rent. And he's like, you need to invest. You need to invest. So one day he bought me a piece of land in 2005. So, which is interesting because in my intro, you said in 2005, he got to start with a tax deed. Well, that's true. My dad bought me a tax deed for a hundred bucks. He purchased it for a hundred bucks and then he gave it to me for Christmas. And then he said, Adam, you have to give me a hundred bucks for that. So technically, <laughs> I did buy it, but I was very forced into it. So that's how I got started. But that piece of land that I bought for a hundred bucks, I sold it for $12,000. Just two years later, I wasn't even trying to sell it, but someone said, Hey, I'll buy that from you. I, you know, the, this cabin lot just got water and electricity. And so the values are going up. So he's like, I'll just buy that from you right now. And all of a sudden I had all this money. So my dad had been trying to, we had been playing cash flow all my life. He, he, and he'd been trying to get me to read this book, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. I'm dyslexic, so I never read a book. And all of a sudden I said, hey, there's something to this. You know, I just made like 8,333% return after all commissions, after all taxes. And so I, I take this book and, and I'm the type of person that likes to do what people do, not what they say. Like I, I watch the leaders teach me whatever and I, and I don't listen to the words. It's like, that's just what they want you to know. Like Dave Lindahl or anybody out there who's like teaching this stuff, Robert Kiyosaki, they teach you how to get into a single family. They teach you how to do this, but I, I see what they're really doing that's making them successful, making them be able to raise money. So I said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get right into syndications. I'm going to do what Robert Kiyosaki did, even though he's teaching single family, little small cash flow, and he skipped it. And I was like, I'm going to skip it. So anyway, that's really how I got into it. So I got into multifamily, 2007, started managing properties, helped someone basically double the money. It was $1,050,000 purchase price and $1.9 sell price. So basically doubled it, and um, it only took a year. How old were you back then? I was 25-ish. I was, I was in my, you know, last year of college. And so I, I did a Mormon mission, by the way. I'm, so that takes like a couple extra years out. So for, for, for me, when I say I was graduating when I was like 25 or so, that is partially because I love school and I was just taking random classes and partially because I took two years out to, to you know, go and teach the gospel or whatever. Interesting. Do you still do that, by the way? No, I no, I, I don't do anything like that anymore. I just, uh, you know, I'm not, not a missionary and not not very strong on trying to bring people to stuff, to be honest with you. So, <laughs> All right. No, I was just curious because I don't I remember wine and stuff like that. Like, they, yes, they, want me. they wouldn't yeah. want me. <laughs> Yeah, well, that's very interesting. Wow, my head just explodes right now with, with tons of questions because we've never talked about it. I met you, you know, we, we've met numerous times and I, I didn't know that about you until today. So that's very interesting. Is there, you know, kind of the the way that you were, you know, your upbringing, do you feel that that impacts, you know, your values or the way you see, uh, the way you conduct business? Absolutely. It's not... Okay, there's two parts that I can point out. Number one, 
I can point out that my mother, so I, I had been a convert to the Mormon church anyway. So like mm-hmm. the polygamy church is different. Like it's not really the mainstream church. Right. And, and so my mother was far away and she was just, let's just be good people. Right. It wasn't about mm-hmm. like what a religion was. And that was a big thing that we just, we grew up like honesty, openness, uh, you know, sharing, caring. I used to, you know, for no reason, just somebody was off the side of the road. I'd pull over, Hey, do you need anything? And I realized I could have gotten shot, but like <laughs> it was, it was always in me to just like give right. And always to be there. So that was part of what really I learned a lot. And the second part is when you're doing a two year mission, you're knocking on doors for basically two years straight. You learn a lot about sales and rejection. And so that's another kind of, you know, I learned from my mom just to be good. And, and I learned, you know, how to, how to persist, like get 99 no's and you're fine. Ramakrishna just posted a, posted something yesterday. And he got, he goes, he goes, I just had two LOIs that got rejected. What do I do? Like, how can, can, does anybody have a quote for me? I just made up a quote. I said, get 98 more and make a million dollars. <laughs> 98 more LOIs rejected. And, and, you know, and that 101, that one's going to close and you're going to make a million dollars off of it. And it, it's been getting a lot of likes, but that's just how I think. It's like, go to the next no, the next, you just need a lot of no's so you can get the yes. Wow. That's amazing. It's actually, it, it explains so much about you because this is really who you are. You're, you're very giving, you're sharing, you're very open. Every conversation that I've had with you and also, you know, I'm, I also follow you on social media. You're v- very, very open. I think some people you see them on social media and they are open to to an extent and i think with you it's you're like an open book and you really share you know everything which is i i think is pretty unique and what you know for me that that's what made me like you to begin with because i said hey this person is really you know he's real whatever he has, you know, inside his heart and his mind, that's what I hear. And the way that you, that I see you is like a very, very, you know, honest and transparent person. And that's very rare to find, you know, these days. I mean, it's like when, okay, I grew up in Utah. So, so I mean, and if this is the same, if you like grow up in the Bible Belt or, or I'm sure, you know, if you grew up in Israel, I mean, there's a lot of, but the, the point is that, Growing up in Utah, some of some of my friends, unfortunately, they were good kids. They they tried other things that their parents didn't necessarily want them to do, but mm-hmm. they couldn't tell their parents. They had to. They like learned to lie. They learned that the the way to like make someone's feelings not hurt is to to lie. The way to like not get get disowned by your parents is to tell them that you didn't watch a rated R movie or it's just like, it, it was just ridiculous. I, I watched this happen to all my friends and they were really good people, but they learned how to lie. That, that was the, they learned that they needed to be dishonest. Even they're great people, but like that way that their mom wouldn't hate them or disown them or ground them. But in my, my family it was different. Like my mom never did that to us. She was just like, you know, Hey, you know, you got a bad grade. Let's do this. Hey, you made a mistake. Let's do this. And I always felt like I could just be me. And, uh, and I think that is a good lesson for all of us, right? It's, it might not be about real estate necessarily, but with our own children, I think if we can cultivate that in, in them, then they can at least be who they are with us. And if they can be who they are with us, they can be who they are on social media now or whatever. Mm-hmm. 
And I think this is a very good segue to, you know, the story that you wanted also to share about potentially partnering with someone and then finding out that something was wrong. Can you walk us through, you know, kind of tell us what year are we and and what's happening? All right. So this almost the exact story happened twice. And because I, I respect a lot of the people that are involved in both stories, I'm just going to mesh them. I'm just going to like create one story that is, you know, saving and protecting a lot of really good people. But, but here, here's, here's the story. A new syndicator, you've been in real estate all my life. I grew up doing real estate. So, but brand new at, at trying to syndicate. And I think I had like a hundred doors or mm-hmm. 200 doors maybe. And there's an opportunity to partner with somebody who has experience, track record, credibility, money, and, and a team around them. And all I had to do was raise some equity. Well, let's be careful about saying that real fast. The main thing that I had to do is raise equity. But of course, I had to have a lot of jobs and roles within the GP to you know, make money. That's yeah. a SEC violation. So I just mm-hmm. want to point that out to some people listening. The main thing is, hey, Adam, do you want to partner with us? I know you can raise money. I know that you haven't been able to find a deal for a while and your investors are getting hungry for a deal. But you, would you want to bring some of that equity here in our deal? So the answer was, heck yeah. And the way that we kind of went into this deal, and this happened almost identically twice, we fixed a lot of things since then. It was about a 400 unit property and they only needed, you know, less than $2 million, which we could, we could raise because we have a good investor database through the meetups that you mentioned in the intro. I, my meetup group is like one of the best meetup groups in the world. Mm-hmm. We're nationally or world renowned for what we're doing. In it. And, and so like our network is big. And if we need to raise money, we can. So all of a sudden we raised all this money and we, we did some due diligence. Like you are supposed to do due diligence when you're passively investing. You are supposed right. to. And I don't mean just on the property. I mean, we need to do our due diligence on human beings to make sure that they are who they say they are. And so we, I started that, right? I started looking at everybody. There's a lot of really great people famous people that are on the general partnership. This was giving me the warm fuzzies. It was making me feel like I was ready to go. So we vetted a lot of them, most of them. And, you know, then there was this LLC as part of the general partnership. And I knew the owner of the LLC, but so I knew exactly who that owner was. And I know of that person and I was actually friends with that person. So I never would have thought to like, Google his name or her name, his or her name. What's funny is on my own podcast, I tell everybody to do this. I'm passionate about this. I'm like, you need to know who you're getting into business with. There is problems here. There is, there's like, it's, are we pretending that just because uh, Ponzi's not alive anymore, that Ponzi (laughs) schemes aren't happening? They are happening. Right. I mean, someone just got taken down this year for, for a giant Ponzi scheme that was famous on Fox television, right? This stuff always happens. So I'm like, it just, here's, here's the point. How bad did I feel when I'm the one preaching and teaching one thing and I, and I let something go and my own passive investor that listens to my podcast regularly 
I love that some of our podcast lists uh, are passive investors. They don't want to be operators, but they want to learn what you're doing. So they just kind of follow you for a long time. And this is exactly what happened. I raised all the money that we needed to do and it was ready to go in a week before close. My passive investor did what I told him he needed to do and what I didn't do. And it was unfortunate and he found a, a literal securities violation. The passive investor looked at the LLC, looked up the owner of the LLC and the owner, he or she, actually had defrauded SEC. A lot of people out of millions of dollars. And so, I mean, we were right there. We were about to close. I, like I said before, I was fairly new at syndicating. I only had maybe one or 200 doors. And this was 400 more doors. I could have tripled my, my portfolio size. And the money was already raised. And it's only one passive investor that noticed this. And so, like, here comes an opportunity where hundreds of thousands of dollars of just acquisition fees are available to come into the partnership. We had seven people in our partnership and like we had been struggling to find a deal for months. Hundreds of thousands of just an acquisition fee would have just changed our lives. And I made some calls and that person that was on the LLC of an LLC was proven with the, with the banks that they weren't, they didn't have voting rights. And it was still like this thing where, where we could have probably justified it. We could have made hundreds of thousands of dollars. We could have tripled our, our portfolio size. And like, we couldn't do that because you just can't in this business. It's such a small business. If you do make one mistake, if you partner with the wrong person one time, everybody would be saying, Adam Adams partnered with this guy and he knew what he was doing. And we just like, that was hard for me. I'll just be honest. Like some people listening are like, oh, obviously I would have gotten out. And other people would have been like, oh, obviously if he's, if he's not a manager of it, like he can't do it again. So why not? And I, so I saw both sides easily. And, and I, and I was just like, so torn. I was like, if we got rid of every deal that we were chasing so that we could raise some money for this deal. And all of a sudden, like, we find this out this late in the game and how embarrassing is it going to be to tell all of my investors for a couple of million dollars to just say to my investors, hey, really sorry guys, here's your money back. That's what we did. So I thought my reputation might be shattered just by like getting so close and then leaving. I'll be, but I'll be honest, like this was like the hundredth episode of my podcast that I shared this and I was like emotional. Luckily, it's been a while and I've, you know, built up a portfolio since then. But like, I was really upset that, that we had to pull out. And I was actually really um, embarrassed that I made the mistake. I almost did. I would have done it if my passive investor didn't notice that. Like, I would have just gone in the, on, into the business with this. And so anyway, very grateful that, you know, people on my team know what they're doing, that, that they can hold even me accountable and I'll tell everybody listening because this will matter to you. If you make a mistake, just own it immediately because I got people that had been following me for 100 plus episodes that said, because you shared that, now I'll invest passively with you. So if you're, if you're listening and you ever get caught into a place where you almost make a mistake, like I will say, 
it will benefit your business to just be open about it because that's for some reason, I thought that it was going to work against me. I was like, they're never going to trust me. You know, I almost made this mistake, but they, they saw that I care about their money. I care more about that than, you know, making a few hundred grand just like that. And that's what translates. So I, I hope that the people listening to your podcast understand that it is so beneficial to just put your heart out there because, you know, some people are going to hate you. Some people are going to go away from you, but there's going to be a lot of people that just super like fall in love with you. That's a really odd way to say it, that just like cling to you and say, I know I can, I know who this person is. And so I can trust this person because they've, they've, they've said who they are. no doubt absolutely no doubt that you've done you've made the right decision because you also don't want to be associated you know with that investor and that could damage your reputation moving forward and i think that's very that's what makes you trustworthy when i know what cuz i'm also passively investing with with you know other syndications so i know that wait a minute if he was willing to come forward and own it and admit that he had he made a mistake and i maybe i turned down other opportunities to invest because i wanted to invest in in this one that i know that when i'm putting my money if i'm putting my money with you and i'm investing and if something happens to my investment you're going to be the first one to come and say hey ellie we have a problem this is what i found out this is what's happening and this is what i'm doing to fix it and trust me I, i'm going to do whatever i can to fix it and so I think, and I think the people who would be turned off by it are probably the type of investors who wouldn't want, who are not a good, just a, not a good fit for you as an, as a syndicator. Anyhow, well, very, very interesting. Is it something that you do differently now? I mean, obviously you are doing all the due diligence and the background checks for, you know, for all the, the other partners, but anything else that you are doing now, anything different? My partner, DJ, he made a, create an entire flow chart and, and, and then he got our feedback on it. And then he reached out to some past investors, got their feedback on it and some other operators and got their feedback. And he, and he basically, he picked, we only go into partnerships with other operators if it, if it flows through this flow chart. Mm -hmm. I, and I wish I could share it with you. I mean, yeah. Okay. So what we'll do is I will make sure that if they text flowchart to triple five triple eight. I will make sure by the time this airs that they can just download the flowchart and see like what it is exactly that we follow. So we have it's not all the way hooked up, but like by the time this airs, I could get it done in like mm -hmm. a day. If they just text the word flowchart to triple five triple eight, so it's not a seven digit number, then yeah, then you can have it, Ellie. Anyone that's listening can have it. We will capture an email. That's the, really the only thing that I can say. We don't spam anybody, but if they want that, they can have it. Absolutely. I mean, that, thank you so much. I think that will bring a lot of value, you know, to my listeners that, you know, most of them are passive investors that want to do the due diligence on, you know, syndicators, but also for other syndicators who want to partner up. I mean, this is great for basically everybody it doesn't mean if you're you know a limited partner or, or a general partner and if you're javing with someone else this is that could be very very valuable especially since it's 
pretty much incorporates your experience with the last, you know, two deals. Maybe not the last last two deals because you just closed on 150 units. Congratulations, by the way. Well, yeah, thank you. Great, thank you so so much for sharing your upbringing, your background, and how you got into real estate by a. Uh, Kind of you forced into it, but you loved it and you even made money on your first deal. So that was really great. And also, I think this story is very important. There's a lot of insights there and a lot of value. And so we got to our last kind of portion, uh, last part of the interview today. And I'm going to ask you the same question I ask all I guests on the show, which is Adam Triple Adams, Adam Abel Adams, right? What would you tell your let's say 25 year old self. Perfect. Well, yeah. So my 25 year old self, I was prepared for my 20 year old self. What would I say for 25? I would probably, by 25 I was doing okay. Like I would just, I would just say you're, you're on the right track. You're starting to do real estate and, and it's going to, it's going to go well for you. That's probably what I would say. Nice. All right. And, and it did. And it did. Perfect. So Adam, where can my listeners find you if they want to reach out to you or want to learn more about what you do? Uh, the best place is if you go to our website, you can get our bios. You can learn more about us there. You can invest with us. You can see our podcast. Everything's there. Our emails are there. So just go to realbluespruce.com. R-E-A-L-B-L-U-E-S-P-R-U-C-E.com. Great, great. Well, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. It was, as usual, great, you know, chatting with you. And uh, I think uh, you also have an event coming up in October. Yes, I think you're going to be on stage at that one, right? Yes, I will. Awesome, awesome. All right, so can I tell them a little bit about the event? Yeah, absolutely. So I don't know who's watching. This is a thank you card. It just came in today. I, I don't like randomly put thank you cards in front of uh, my desk, <laughs> but it came in and it, and it was about our last event. They're like, holy cow, so much value. I, I'd read it to you, but we try our best. It's a zero sales pitch event, which, which some people say by saying that it sounds like you're going to have a sales pitch. You guys know me by now. There's no sales pitch. I get mad at anybody. Like if you even halfway sales pitch, you're never on my stage again. Ellie Perlman delivered so much value the last time she was on stage with us and she's coming back. So it's called the Raising Money Summit. So if you are a passive investor, you want to go see all these operators, you want to meet them. This is networking ideal for you, right? And if you are an operator and you're able to raise a little bit of money, I want to help you raise a lot of money. And I do that by putting amazing people like Ellie, uh, Michael Blanc, Michael Becker, Paul Peebles. Who else? There's Tim Bratz. There's Joe Fairless. There's, this is going to have so many big names. So anyway, they should go. The tickets are affordable and they can find it at RaisingMoneySummit.com. Awesome. Awesome. And I can't wait to see you there. You know, again, if you ever went to one of Adam Adams events, there's so much, you know, good and quality content, but also the, the people and the, the, the audience is very quality. And I love the fact that there's no sales pitch. That's for sure. So I'll see you in October. Uh, in Colorado pretty soon. Thank you again so much for sharing your background and also telling us, you know, the story. It was great seeing how you think and how you operate. And I think that can really talk about, you know, your personality and the way you conduct business. So thank you so much for that. And thank you. Thanks for having me on the podcast.
This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.